Hello folks, Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRADIO at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. Joining me this week, uh, the first high-stakes lowdown on uh, Rotoviz of the 2020 NFL season after it starts. It's the third-place team owner in the uh, 2020 Football Guys Players Championship, Mr. Chris Birchby. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, great to have me. It's funny hearing you know, third place so early you know, in the season, but I'll, I'll take that victory a lot because it's, you know, uh, in, in this season is so different from any other as far as um, the amount of information you know beforehand. So, you know, some, are, some have been hits, some have been huge misses. It's, uh, it's just fun to, you know, feel like you're in contention on something. Yeah, I always say that too to anybody who's at the top of the leaderboard early in the season. You know, at least you're there. You know, it's and and it's easier to protect that than it is to get up there. Uh, so, so congratulations to you. You did a lot of drafts uh, this summer. The the main event, the the FPC. Um, I'm just kind of curious, drafting all over the board. Did you end up having a favorite spot or a favorite draft slot this season where you felt really dialed in at, at that spot when you're drafting from there? You know, I never, I never really settled on one spot this year. I think there's, I mean, there's so many different benefits for all. Historically, I've always liked the middle rounds. And um, Fantasy Mojo had something out last year. I remember on Twitter, he, he was looking at, I think, winners, and maybe it was historical year-over-year winners. I think there was a higher preponderance of teams coming from the middle spots. And I would, I would argue that that is kind of like the one spot that an experienced drafter yeah, and, and by that I mean somebody who's paying attention to everything from you know ADP to daily news, and you know can try to just you know find the edges in that. You know, you have more stuff that falls in the middle than on the edges. You know, on the edges you always have to reach a little bit more. And so if you're on a softer draft, which always happens as you get closer to the season, you know, middle's a kind of a prime spot. Uh, just because you have the opportunity to access more value. You know, that said, this year, like I loved, um, you know, I always felt really comfortable with two RB start teams. Although, of course, you know, some teams that started um, with, uh, you know, uh, you two, you get two wide receivers like Parker and, and I think like Julio, or there was a couple that was you were stacking there that we obviously make really great starts after week one, but. Um, uh, first, you know, starting in the, in the beginning or the end of the draft actually felt pretty good too, but I guess, you know, uh, I love the middle as well. So it all, it, it really all depends. You just have to be super flexible. It's like that old Bruce Lee kind of saying, and I'll, I'll totally bastardize it, but I think it's, you know, it's about water it takes the shape of any vessel, you know, so it's your pour it in, you know, it's a cup, you're a cup, uh, a teapot, a teapot. Um, a crack, a crack, you know, it just, you know, being able to, you know, find value. And I will I'll say, you know, the times when you jump on value, uh, at least like what I, what I like to do is, is stacking. 
Um, and that's the only time when you start like seeing a, the texture of the board develop and realize, you know, opportunities based on ADP where you can kind of um, uh, see things in a couple rounds. Other than that, you know, it's taking whatever the rounds give you. Yeah. And, and too, when you're drafting in the middle, you got value coming to you both ways, you know, it, it, which you don't have on the end. You, you sort of have to get your target there, whether it's a reach or not, and then maybe scoop up value with one of the other picks, but you can't, you don't really have the luxury of, of it coming to you either way, which you do in the middle and taking advantage of that. Um, let's, I, let's get into um, uh, specifically this draft, this third place team uh, that, that is sitting near the top of the leaderboard of the FPC uh, at the three ten. Uh, you had Jonathan Taylor at your disposal. Le'Veon Bell was there. James Conner, all popular picks at the end of the third round. Why did you choose David Johnson there? And and I'll preface this by saying David Johnson impressed a lot of people who uh, did not expect to be impressed by David Johnson in that opening game against Kansas City. Why was David Johnson the choice there? What did you see in him? I'll tell you. You know, there's there's a couple things. Um, you know, one relates to the player, and two actually the format of the draft. Um, I guess and so. Like the, the one, you know, it really like as far as the you look at when you're drafting. At least I do you, talent and opportunity and coach's intention. And in this case, Bill O'Brien is so committed to David Johnson um, after letting you know beloved Hopkins go. Yeah, he, he will be a Hall of Famer. And obviously, he's so good. Um, and what he got in return is so ridiculous that. Uh, um, from a professional keep your job level, he's incentivized to have Hopkins way outperform expectations. Same thing with Cooks, and um, and have good seasons. So you know you just know the opportunity is going to be there, and you know Johnson obviously has been great in the past. Um, you know people talk about him being stiff last year. I'm not a huge tape guy, so I can't speak to that as much. But uh, you know I will say just like why I love. I, I thought I believed in Gurley a lot more than a lot of other drafters. And it's just opportunity um, there, you know, with you know target share and what they gave up for him. And, you know, the fact that there's very little behind him, although he'll, you know, is, is the guy. Um, but so, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of why I was more high on David Johnson and had um, higher than kind of average share of him across my teams. Um and, uh, you know, I, I would also – it's that Thursday night game is a free piece in a, a, a large torna, torna, tournament format for the year. So it, this year, especially with, um, you know, having uh, the Chiefs and the Texans play, you have two good offenses, you know, one the best offense, um, and you have an opportunity to get a free look at how they might perform and or, you know, get injured or, you know, it just, you just don't know, but it is, especially in a year that might be a shortened year, having the opportunity for a free look at their game and play or sit, you know, accordingly um, is, is so undervalued. And I thought this year, especially. And so, you know, whenever I had a deciding factor this year in drafts, um, you know, uh, Chiefs and Texans, definitely, I, I jump up a little bit. I, I, you know, okay. So let's, let's keep talking about running backs here because I think that, you know, obviously with waivers being processed this week, there's a lot of, you know, running backs out there that, that I think people are, are interested in as far as what they could be, um, you know, going forward for the rest of the season. And, and we only have one week of information here. We don't know what's real and what's not, but what was real in week one 
for the Los Angeles Rams backfield was Malcolm Brown. He looked great. Is that performance, what we saw there, is that something that you think is going to continue going forward? Or is it just a matter of time before the cream rises to the top, Cam Akers takes over that backfield, a guy you took at the 603 in this draft? Yeah, I would always say it's a matter of time until the cream rises for the top, especially a rookie, you know, that has high, you know, draft value in a backfield that seemed wide open. I mean, I loved, um, you know, I was, I love Henderson's college metrics and was very high on him as well. And I had always considered Malcolm Brown, you know, just a guy. And then actually today I saw on Twitter, somebody was posting his 2011, you know, out of high school um, comps. And I didn't realize, you know, at the time he was, cause he went to, he went to Texas where, you know, he was like a Jag plus it seemed like, but he was, he, he was a, the top five star running back. Chris, did I lose you? And um, you know, there's, it's, you know, is, is he like the, you know, that's the Devonte Parker, maybe Corey Davis this year, kind of, you know, late bloomer getting it together. I mean, there was word. I remember like, I definitely was betting on acres and even Henderson to a degree before the draft. I mean, um, or, yeah, before the season started, it, it's a, it's a surprise, but, um, yeah, I learned that today on Twitter, I had no idea he was such a stud in high school. He was a five-star running back, uh, that the top in his class in 2011 went to Texas, you know, where he was, you know, I, I thought more of just a guy, but, um, you know, he's got it in him. And obviously Sean McVay's keeps on talking about a committee and, after that performance, I don't see why he wouldn't continue it just because it gives their team, you know, more stability and continuity and they can keep on working in Akers and Henderson. And I just think it's a situation to avoid for all of them at this point. Nobody's going to be consistent um, until maybe later in the season. But even then, again, you've got two great athletic talents and Malcolm Brown, who uh, Twitter told me today is also a great athletic, you know, dude. So, yeah, who knows? I, I'm I'm nervous about the whole bunch. Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's best to avoid. And I I know some people did that uh, in in their drafts. They just stayed away from the Rams' backfield. I'm sure you did the same in some of your drafts too, where you just you know said to heck with it and and uh, you know concentrate on different guys uh, for sure. Speaking of team construction in this uh, draft that or this league that you're in third place in in the FPC, you skipped tight end until the ninth round. Then you went three of them in a row: Jonu Smith, Dallas Goddard, Ian Thomas. How often did, do you employ that type of strategy in tight end premium leagues like the FFPC main event, like the football guys players championship where, you, you know, you skip out on the elite ones, but then you stack a bunch in the middle. Uh, this year worked so good with stacking three in a row. And I was, I found myself often going for um, uh, Kelsey Kittle Andrews or waiting until you come in with kind of some sort of like, um, fan, I loved Herndon. I, I was, I, I have, uh, really overweight my shares of him and I hope that works out again. That's another like, you know, opportunity and talent situation. Um, and you know, he's, he's a guy, he's a guy, uh, that uh, I was definitely bet on a lot more before the, the season. Um, uh, Ebron, yeah, there was a whole, I, I stayed away from Hooper, but you know, there seemed to be, you could get, you know, three guys, Goddard, um, I, uh, I loved getting him because he's also, you know, a, a league and or tournament winner. Um, you know, if um, Ertz ever went down as in, uh, the, you know, uh, the, the lack of preseason kept on going forward and it seemed like their 
um, wide receiver core was so decimated that there was just a real, again, opportunity there. And he really showed his talent last year. Um, but it just seemed like there was a great, great place to kind of stack three in a row. And you're really just hoping to get the upside variance that one of them is going to hit. And, um, and you give yourself three good shots of, you know, good offense, good talent, good opportunity, and hope you get lucky. And this year, I really, in the past, I felt like you'd get by with two tight ends. But given COVID potential um, issues, uh, and also just kind of more of not knowing how everyone's going to perform. You really, I, I, I ended up going three tight ends and two quarterbacks where usually I'll just go one quarterback and two tight ends and then just, you know, take extra shots at running back. Um, but this year it, it, you know, it was a little more conservative. Yeah, and I get it. And I think we all kind of adjusted our drafting strategies a little bit in in this, you know, sort of, you know, novel year for lack of a better term it's it's just been crazy and and uh, i i think it's it's going to be fun going forward i think it's also going to be challenging uh to to try to win fantasy football leagues this year which always makes it in my opinion uh more fun um one of the challenges that presented owners uh was was trying to you know it, it you always want to get a piece of the elite passing attacks um but you also want to get the right pieces and i feel like in a lot of drafts chris and this has been my experience that McCole Hardman went several, not just a couple, but several rounds ahead of Sammy Watkins. And then we see on Thursday night, uh, Hardman gets the whatever it was, one catch. You saw Demarcus Robinson, quite frankly, involved more in that offense uh, than, than Hardman was. But Sammy Watkins, two years in a row, a big season opener for Kansas City. Um, do you think McCole Hardman got overdrafted? Um, you know, after again, only one week of information, but it was pretty significant. Um, and was Watkins letting be, was he? Slipping too far in drafts, uh, in your opinion, as far as what you saw at the FFPC. And, you know, for me, it seemed like Hardman, I faded him all summer. And then I started convincing myself of his upside the last week. <laughs> and it was, you know, he's kind of, he's a handcuff for Tyree Kill. You can, you could talk yourself into, and you can talk yourself into, I mean, he has such speed and separation and, you know, you can see him being, um, you know, maybe there's like a 1A, 1B that develops. Um, but the thing is, you know, Watkins, he's 26, 27. I mean, he's such a talent and, you know, he's been injured. He has a lot of things against him, but you know, if he's healthy, they gave him a big contract. He, you know, they, they, so the coaches, the coach and organization invested in him. He's, he, he has the talent. He has the opportunities, the best offense in the league. I mean, it's all there, um, for him to, to be a breakout player and somebody who really kind of can, can finally reach his potential. So I, I was overweight in in Watkins, and obviously it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that he was on that Thursday night slate. So again, you get a free look at him. You know, so it was it was such a great feeling going through and plugging him in because I, I didn't have him starting in any of my teams, but you know, plugging in that twenty one plus points um, right into into your team. Uh, I, I probably am about you know thirty five percent of my teams. I was able to do that. And it was it was awesome. Um, I think uh, Hardman, I have him on some of my dynasty teams, and um, I'm hopeful for him for the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to see a road after week one for him being a value unless Hill has an issue. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that, too, uh, to, for sure. Um, speaking of, of receivers, 15-10 pick in this draft looked really good and um, in, in his debut with a new team, and he's a guy that I, I, for whatever reason, did not get. I got him in, like, two or three leagues. But the rest of mine, I am Robbie Anderson-less. Uh, you look at 
the the numbers he put up week one. You think he's a top 35 receiver the rest of the way, or is it still too early to make that call? You know, I, I hated him all draft season. He's another guy on one of my high-stakes dynasty teams. I dropped on waiver wire as week one, you know, embarrassingly enough. I was not high on his placement here, and um, uh, I think I might be I might be wrong, but it's it's still early week one. I totally think the targets are going to balance out a lot more um, with uh, DJ Moore and McCaffrey, and and so um, as much as I, I I like Anderson as a player, and I hope that he finds success, I just didn't think that was the the right fit for him to be a big fantasy contributor um and i still don't but um he might he might totally prove me wrong i know teddy bridgewater i don't know what the exact statistics were but i you know it was i know he was um above average for deep throws in game one relative to other quarterbacks which is not how um you know his his style has has kind of seemingly dictated in the past so if he does go downfield more then obviously uh robbie anderson is going to be a huge value yeah, absolutely. He is no question, and and that's I mean, something we're going to be watching for. That, that that NFC South with New Orleans and Atlanta and Tampa, I think, is going to be one of the most fun divisions to watch this year with all the playmakers you have on both offensive sides wow. of the ball. Um, a playmaker in his prime, maybe not anymore, was Le'Veon Bell. He's going to miss the next three weeks uh, as he was placed on uh, an injured reserve. Uh, Frank Gore has been announced by Adam Gase as the starter. You think he's a flex play this week um, in FFPC leagues, given that, you know, they still have Kalen, they got Kalen Balazs there. They have um, uh, Josh Adams uh, there as well as, as a potential pass catcher. Frank Gore is a flex this week. Yay or nay? What do you say, Chris? Uh, you're answering that and how you, know, how you finish the question there. There's so many other players. I know the Gays came out and said Gore was his starter. But um, even if he truly was the starter, if you knew, if I knew going into the game that he was going to absolutely be the starter, I can't imagine a scenario playing him in any of the teams right now at this point in the season. I mean, you hope your team has better options than Frank Gore. Um, I, no, but um, I, all power to Frank Gore for, for being 37 years old and starting for the New York Jets. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that part really is truly awesome. I'm not, you know, maybe he was drafted at, at age 13, and this is how he was able to to just this create this hugely successful long career. You talk about Hall of Famers, and, and Frank Gore doesn't even think of that because he probably doesn't want to retire for another decade or so. So kudos to him. We'll be excited to see uh, if he can keep it up with an extended role in uh, in New York. Well, um, he's speaking like of LeBron, his son is um, well, one of his sons is in uh, college. Uh, a college. That's right. Running back. <laughs> I mean, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's just hanging on to 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 uh, potentially play on the same team, or at least at the same time as his son. If his now his son, I don't think is he wasn't like a blue chip guy, um, if I remember correctly. So I don't know what his NFL future is like, but maybe Gore wants to uh, find out, and and we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Um, injuries, you know, it wasn't just Le'Veon Bell this week. It, it happened in New Orleans too. Michael Thomas is, uh, is going to be out at least for the foreseeable future here, uh, with, uh, with New Orleans. Traquan Smith, is he a sneaky start against the Raiders on Monday night football this week? Or, uh, is it, is it just too dicey given what we've seen from him so far in his career? I mean, I've been waiting forever for him to break out again, you know, uh, Talent, opportunity, um, winning offense, you know, it, it's um, 
I, I hope he does. I hope this is an opportunity for him to break out. Um, it's still, you know, and, and he also provides youth in that offense where it's like, you know, with Cook and Sanders, um, you know, outside of running back. And so I, I, I would start him if I had to. Um, and by have to, like, he'd be that, like, final decision um, if, if I was on a team. I don't think I, – you know, I did put in for waivers for him on a bunch of teams this week. He wasn't my highest priority because I do think that he will be a, you know, two-week plug-in. And at this point in the season, there's not that much of that. But there is the upside. If he is a plug-in and he does pop, well, then he can really start pushing for time um, uh, opposite from Thomas. And that's where it gets exciting. I just, um, as much as I, I do want to see that, I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, we, we've seen – We've seen a lot from Traquan Smith uh, so far this season and, and um, or not this season, but in, throughout his career. And, and I think we've formed opinions about him. We've also seen a lot of Emmanuel Sanders and we know what he's capable of, especially given that he's a veteran, Drew Brees is a veteran. Uh, these guys are going to be professionals about it. It could be Sanders be the, the biggest ben- beneficiary of this Thomas uh, absence, or maybe Kamara gets even more involved in the passing game too. New Orleans is going to be fun to watch against Vegas on Monday night this week. Um, James Conner, uh, when he does come back, if it is this week, I, I don't know if, what, what's going to happen. But when he does come back, given what Benny Snell did against the Giants on Monday, Chris, do you think that Conner is going to be close to a 50-50 timeshare in, in Pittsburgh? Um, because Snell looked really good. And, and you know, one of the things, and you play Dynasty, so you know this, one of the things that, that was a knock on Snell was that, you know, he was a big guy but didn't necessarily have that one-cut ability, didn't have that speed. I think he showed some pretty good cutting ability and he showed some pretty good speed. He looked spry. He looked, he looked it's fast. I mean, quite frankly, and I don't know if that that's an indictment of the giants defense or not, or maybe it's a combination, but Snell looked really good. And, and I wonder what Connor's workload is going to be like when he gets healthy enough to play again. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were, they were, the, the coaching staff was really you know, firm that Connor was going to be like, you know, three down back. And that was like, then it was right before the season started. Oh no, he's, he's our guy. And, and first, I mean, you have to root for Connor too, given you know what he's overcome, and you know that you know his his uh, his preseason back tweet photo that was out there. That yeah, mm-hmm. the dude's obviously in great shape. Um, but I do worry that when he comes back, you know, it, at least he's he's lost a percentage of his share. How big, you know, to be determined. But you have to assume he's lost a percent, and you know, even if he loses ten percent. You know, uh, it, it does it take him out? I don't think it takes him out. You know, it doesn't take him out of money line, frankly. So, um, but but you know, he's lost something, and I think that they're going to go to slightly more balanced. I mean, it's just not sustainable for any team to really have such a big bell cow. It, you know, it was inevitable, and, and maybe it, Snell just locked up number two. And it always helps too when when your running back looks as good as he did, like Snell, and you get a win. You know, and and I think that plays into coaches' mindsets too when they look at how to distribute touches going forward. Um, by the time everybody's hearing this, Chris, waivers will have processed in, in, in the FFPC. I'm just kind of curious if you had a big-name target that, that you tried to place a lot of bids on uh, in your leagues this week or, or a favorite target or maybe a couple of favorite targets of players you're trying to acquire. You know, it really, it really wasn't. Maybe Logan Thomas. Um, it, you know, I, was, I'm really too, I was too late to the game on him. Even though I kept on seeing again you know, opportunity, opportunity um, uh, in that offense, especially you know where they've just had nobody. I mean, he's he's a screen was a screaming buy that I did not invest enough in. 
And so um, I, and I, and I had invested a lot in Tyler Eifert. You know, again, I saw him as a guy who has been able, he's performed, they lacked um, targets and um, you know, maybe he's healthy and you're just betting on, you know, it's not, it's not even a big bet. It's like, okay, he's healthy. He's going to put together a season. He's a big red zone target and they're lacking targets. Um, But after week one, I, I did pivot. And so it'll be interesting to see. I was giving him a lot of kind of Eifert, um uh for logan but i it it really it was just a lot of cleanup so it's like you know what it was was i decided i I was cutting ties on somebody like mims um uh you know there was um uh uh what's his name uh lynn i'm I'm totally spacing who uh on the from raiders to the dolphins um lynn bowden oh lynn bowden you know he's a guy that i love the upside opportunity. I liked, you know, the idea of wildcat and, you know, but you know, who I've, I've, uh, you know, he's not easy to get in any league, but, um, LaVisca, uh, on the Jaguars, you know, he's actually that guy. He's, he's the receiver who can run and who they'd even talked about like wildcat. So, you know, he's somebody who I was trying to, in the very first waivers, he was actually available in a couple teams. And, you know, I was willing to go 50% almost of my fab, just, you know, lock him up right now. Who knows what's happening at running back, wide receiver, et cetera, in that offense. He's a huge talent, huge opportunity. Um, they love him. They talk him up as like he would have been a one or two wide receiver for them last year if he came out. And um, so you just you just see the path there very clearly to him being an interesting piece, especially by end of season. So, um yeah, I, you know, for me it was um, just just a lot of cleanup. Uh, I did put in for you know a bunch of the wide receivers, um, MVS. Uh, uh, yeah, just just a couple of the guys that might gauge that might have some opportunities. But again, it was just trimming the the slimmest of fat off because I did go in really big last week on James Robinson, and I was able to get him in a bunch of bunch of leagues, including in like four or five of uh, bigger dynasty leagues where I desperately needed running back. And um, uh, uh, so for me, it, it also, it fab always comes down to balancing home life and fantasy football life. And, you know, some weeks when I have the time to do fab and I've got guys that I want, I will, I, you know, I'll figure out kind of where the average winning bid will be. And I will go better than that because I don't want to have to come back and do fab next week. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's so exactly I, I know exactly what you mean yeah exactly i hey just curiously what were what what were you bidding on james robinson last week in in, in the leagues that you want him at i mean are we talking like three four hundred dollars was it more uh, was four, it less yeah, 400 plus i was i was okay. 400 minimum i think is where i was coming in for him um even in the 500s in dynasty yeah yeah that makes sense and and that was one of the names that uh, the the Jaguars front office and coaching staff mentioned after the release of Leonard Fournette, and you know why it was um, why it was palatable, why they could handle it because the gap between Fournette and Robinson wasn't that big. So uh, be interesting to see what Robinson does the remainder of the season. Chris, I have one final question before I let you go and and split up your time between hanging out with your family and setting your week three, week two lineups. Excuse me, um, a, a sleeper that that you think needs to be in high stakes lineups for his matchup this week. And then conversely, um, a, a guy that a lot of people are going to start, but probably going to be disappointed with. Um, oh man, I, you know, I'll go with LaVisca Schnall just because I had already mentioned him and I'm high on him. 
you know, I, I really, um, I'm excited to see what else he does. You know, they gave him limited touches relative and he did very well week one. And I just think that's a trend that's going to continue on the upside. Um, especially, you know, as they're looking towards the future and rebuild there. I mean, you gotta see what they have. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, Marquise Brown. I mean, he's not like an underrated guy, but it just, as I've looked at kind of some predicted point totals for this week, I just feel like um, whatever metrics people are using are coming in uh, low on him. And he was five of six for over a hundred yards, hundred, well, 101 uh, in week, in week one. Uh, and, you know, healthy, um, bigger, the wide, clear wide receiver one on that team that is a, one of the, you know, the, the top two offenses. <clears throat> I don't see how you can't be um, really enthusiastic about any, anybody on that team. You know, even Dobbins and um, Ingram. I think Ingram's in for bounce back week. And, and Dobbins, are actually, it's, you know, I, I've got a lot more Dobbins than Ingram because I was planning for late in the season and the value there when I was drafting. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, I, I just think that, you know, anybody there is exciting. As far as guys that might be a bust, um, not that he's a bust, but Jameson Crowder, again, he's a huge opportunity guy, but he's historically got such a low, like, eight dot, you know, touchdown. He's, you know, it, it, for, he, had a, he had a long touchdown, and there's got to be regression, and then just that offense sucks. And I'm <laughs> investing in bad offenses. And so – you know, somebody from that and also any of the Buffalo running backs. I mean, I, I have very little of either of them this year. Um, and uh, I I just am trying to stay away on the teams that even I have them. I don't even know what I'm doing with them. So right now, <laughs> they're just sitting on, the, on my bench in, in almost every league I can. It's so funny about the Dobbins thing. It's one of the more bittersweet uh, games of, uh, you know, I've seen uh, in my recent fantasy career, you know, I own Dobbins in, in several leagues and, you know, week one, everybody's basically healthy. Nobody's on by. I, I didn't start him uh, because I had better options. And then what does he do? He goes out and gets two touchdowns, which is great for, you know, the future. But, man, it would have been nice to bank those touchdowns in my starting lineup. Such is life and such is fantasy as we uh, we go through this journey each and every year. Chris, you are doing it much better than me right now. Third place overall in the Football Guys Players Championship. Congratulations, on this success that you've had earlier in the season. I'm sure it's going to continue. Good luck in all your leagues uh, the rest of the way, man. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and we will talk to you again soon. Eric, thanks so much for having me. It's always, you know, this is a lot of fun just to um, uh, talk fantasy football and, and, you know, escape life and everything else for, you know, this hour or so. So I appreciate the opportunity as always um, and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much. Awesome, dude. This is perfect. I'm going to mix this down, send these files into Rotoviz. Uh, they'll publish it Thursday sometime, probably in the morning, and I'm going to send you a link to it uh, as soon as it's out there. Thanks so much. Really, uh, You're the man. A lot of fun. I appreciate it. Appreciate everything you guys do. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Get back to dino trucks now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm right back. <laughs> uh, all right, dude. You know, I know you know you know all that very well, so... Yeah, exactly. No, I I know how it goes. I, I definitely know how it goes. So um, I, I will, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I know you got, you got a lot of uh, skin in the game in the main event too. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if you climb up the leaderboard there as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, I, I have a bunch of teams. I feel, I feel good about it. Yeah. I went really, I actually, when I look at my ownership percentages, I really shifted and I knew I was doing it, but I wasn't sure how much um, 
from uh, going um, a really heavy, like running back wide receiver build to start to in the main events, just, just really leaning into Lamar Jackson a ton. I mean, I have, mm-hmm. uh, they have 40 main events and I have him in 35% of them. And oh my goodness. I have a, um, a ton of, um, you know, him and Andrew Stacks, or I would try to, you know, try to get Marquise Brown, even though it was kind of an odd way. He'd usually go kind of towards that five, six turn and you had to either grab him early at five or you, you have him fall to you at six or a pair with Dobbins or Ingram. And um, and build and and Justin Tucker. I have a ton of stacks with Justin Tucker too. And huh. so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all that all plays out. That's kind of where I've invested in the heaviest with it. But um, you know, it's it's uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, we'll see. I think I've got a um, is it a, a fourth, third, and second over you know, in the last like four years? Um, with three years, I had a second and fourth last year in the main event. And, mm-hmm. Yep, it was like a third or fourth a couple of years ago. Hubbard was right next to me. You know, maybe he won. He, Hubbard won it that year. That's that's right. Yeah, twenty sixteen he did. It, yeah. he, him and uh, Nelson won the main in, in yeah. twenty sixteen. I remember that. Yeah, he actually, um, he and Chad Schroeder did. I mean, I think they, I think they played a little bit in the main event this year, but they're they obviously did not get as many teams as as they normally do in it. So it, it's it's it'll be a a wild wild west, which is which is the way I know everybody likes it. I, I really don't think it's going to be such a crazy year anymore. As you know, obviously everyone thought in the beginning with COVID related and how that's going to affect and you know everyone you know temperatures right before game and then all of a sudden you're losing your starting quarterback and you better have a backup because you know otherwise that's 20 points in the drain um, for the season and um, you know it just it the way things are going as far as how they've been able to test well which is seemingly impossible I mean, it's great but um it seems like it's not going to be as much of an issue so i mean we'll yeah we will see how it goes but the more and more it's looking normaler and normaler relative to what i thought it would be and i think everyone yeah it's it's always good too like when when like the big storylines after the week is not about oh my goodness look at all these covid positive covid cases it's oh my goodness how can we it's so weird playing in stadiums with, with no fans, you know, which granted is not the most ideal situation for the players, but I, I, I take that over a rash of, of, uh, you know, positive tests or anything like that. So it's been good so far. And I think that's kind of, you know, I was talking with uh, Dave Gerzak about this too, and he, he's kind of thinking the same way as you, he, you know, he's nervous at the start to see how it goes, but as time goes on and, and, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, all these, um, uh, protocols implemented properly it's it's you know they might get through this whole season with you know not maybe not as good as the nba did but good enough you know oh definitely good enough I, you know at the very least you know yeah i i am uh a hundred percent positive we're getting six games in right you know which is the minimum for right you know, yep to get there and, you know which even in the beginning i was like oh you know, they you know, that's not even a question. And, uh, you know, I, I think 95% they're making it through the entire season. Um, you know, granted, will there be games missed? Maybe, but, you know, it's just the game, the season's happening, postseason's going to happen, you know, there, there will be a whole thing. And I just, I, I think that, you know, the studs are studs and it's not so much on the waivers so much. And so, yeah, that's, I have just been spending it. And part of that really, I mean, it, it truly – I cannot spend the time to manage a hundred teams, even though I love the <laughs> software and everything. You know, right. And, you know, I'm still um, uh, running our company. So it's like, you know, all of this time that I'm doing this, is just like total um, time suck from something else. I can only have so much each week 
um, with you know, two, a two and four year old. And, you know, and, yeah. And, and so I, I hope that, you know, and when I do make my waiver bets, you know, I just, it's like, you just place a bet. And, ah, yeah. If I get to this team this week, I get to this team and, you know, it's the best I can do. Cause you just never know. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast.